Hi there. I'm, uh, I'm that man born blind that you just read about uh, in John's Gospel. I've come here to you, Church by the Bridge, in, uh, what is it, December 2020, just to flesh out some of the details of my story and, uh, and share with you the things that God taught me that day, and perhaps he might uh, even teach you. Uh, I'm really just here to spend the next little while just sharing with you how, how Jesus, the light of the world, opened my eyes, but not just my eyes, he opened my heart and my life to the living God. Well, friends, my story, it started in that I, I myself was born blind and it's never been easy to live with a disability. Uh, I noticed that this past week, you, you guys, you celebrated the uh, International Day of Persons with a Disability and you, you've come a long way. It's, it's commendable uh, where you've come. Uh, I know it can be inconvenient sometimes with making up policies and putting lifts in buildings and ramps and handrails and everything, but you need to remember that every day of my life is inconvenient. So thank you for the little adjustments that you do make to share that. Life for me back in Jerusalem, well, it was really tough. There was no guide dogs association, no, no handrails, no braille, no NDIS, just me and my little old family trying to make our way in the world. And so my parents decided that we should relocate up to Jerusalem because at Jerusalem uh, I could make a living begging off, off people as they came to worship at the temple. Oh, it's a terrible thing, living off the leftovers of others. Most of you look like you wouldn't know what it's like to hit rock bottom, but uh, I lived on the bottom. And you know, the thing that gets you is that everyone looks down at you. I couldn't even see them looking down at me, but I could hear them talking down at me. And they, they'd always say these things about me. They'd say, yeah, who sinned, that man or his parents, that he was born blind? I hated that. I hated that, the way they used to say that. They always talk about me. They never talk to me. And if they talk to me, they'd realise that actually me and my family, we were very pious. I was never really welcome in the temple, but my, my mother and my father, they taught me the stories growing up, how, how God created the heavens and the earth, how, how God had made man out of the dust of the earth, made him in his own image, made him good, and how God had given to Adam this Beautiful wife, Eve, a, 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 a helper, a friend, a companion. Oh, how I longed to have a wife, a companion. You know, you, you guys out there who think you're fishing in a small pond trying to find a companion who loves God, wait till you try and find one who loves God and is willing to love someone with a disability. Well, I know where it all went wrong. It all went wrong when Eve, when she... she took her husband and, and they both rebelled against God and, and they, they turned against their creator and, and, and sinned against him and the whole world became broken and, and the whole world went down in relationship like Adam and Eve. And I know that the reason that I was born blind is because I have been born into a sinful, broken world. But the thing that gets me is when the strong, the healthy, the successful, the powerful, they, they look at me and they say, you were born blind because of your sin, because of something your parents did. Huh? Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've experienced someone saying to you, it's normally people who haven't suffered, saying something along the lines of, well, you know, maybe, maybe you've got cancer because you didn't trust God enough. 
Maybe you suffered that miscarriage because God couldn't trust you with a child. Maybe you've gone through chronic fatigue because you were not trusting God in your life. Maybe you've suffered that injury at work because of some secret sin in the way you were conducting yourself. You know, sure, sometimes we do suffer because we sin. You know, contracting an STD or, uh, you know, having a car accident because you were speeding. Well, these kind of things, you know, that, that's what happens. But surely the, the book of Job in our own Bible, surely that reminds us, doesn't it, that, that suffering and hardship is so indiscriminate. It can happen to anyone. And it, it, Job tells us it's not our business to hypothesise about why someone might be suffering. That's between them and God. Well, I've been putting up with this all of my life. And one day that, that fellow named Jesus came along and his disciples were with him. And what do you know? They asked that same question. They asked, uh, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Well, that day I heard a different answer. John wrote it down for you, actually. It's uh, there, in, there in verse 3. Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Oh, that was welcome news to my ears. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then he said these words that I've spent the rest of my life telling anyone and everyone who will listen. It's there for you in verse 5. He said, I am. I am the light of the world. Now, I had never seen light with my eyes. But all of a sudden, I felt like I was beginning to experience light, like the warmth from a fire just glowing around my heart and like a clarity in my mind, like I was in the presence of the living God. And then as if to demonstrate that he really is the light of the world, Jesus performed the miracle that changed everything for me. He spat on the ground and he started making mud out of the dust. Now, I know that you guys are living in a pandemic, so the thought of someone putting their spit on your face is probably the last thing you could ever imagine. But maybe for Jesus, you'd make an exception. But let me tell you why what Jesus did that day meant so much to me. Most people don't come near me. Some people even spit at me. But when Jesus got down and made this mud out of the dust of the earth, it reminded me how all of my life I thought that when God made me out of the dust of the earth, maybe he'd made a mistake. Maybe he hadn't finished what he'd begun. And he was this one who sent from God, who was finishing it with the dust of the earth. And so he took the mud and he rubbed it on my eyes. And then he sent me off to the pool of Siloam. And so off I went walking on my way to find the Pool of Siloam. And as I went, I started to think that maybe I could see, not with my eyes, but with my mind. I was starting to see who our God is, what the God of Israel is like. He's a loving God, a compassionate God, a God who comes near to us to, to help the brokenhearted and the distressed, to lift us up out of our weariness and hard, hardness. Oh, and I started to sense that I, I was really coming to know God in my heart, mind, soul. And then I started thinking about where I was going. I was going to the pool of Siloam, which means scent, the pool of scent. Of course, it all makes sense to you. You guys have been reading John's gospel, haven't you? You know, John, John mentions that Jesus was sent 20 times in John's gospel, 
20 times he says that Jesus was the one sent from heaven. Jesus was the one sent by God. Jesus is the Saviour sent into the world to save us from sins. Well, as I got to the pool, I got there to the edge and I started lapping up the water and washing my eyes away. And then it dawned on me. It dawned on me that I am being healed, not by the mud on my eyes, not by the waters of Siloam, and not by the faith in my heart, but by the one sent from God. And then I opened my eyes. And for the first time in my life, I saw someone's face. And so I reached out to touch it. And it was my own face. It was my own face. But I don't think it would have been the same face that I would have seen if I'd looked at it yesterday. It was, it was different. It was like it had beheld the glory of God. Wow, what a day. So I took my stick and I chucked it off to the waters of Siloam and I ran home and I started seeing my neighbours as I had a life. Hey, Ruth, hey, Ruth, you look shorter than I thought you'd be. And hey, Jacob, you look good in red. Eliezer. Love what you're doing with the azaleas in the front yard. They look brilliant. And, you know, of course, they all come to me and they start saying, what? What? Isn't this the man born blind, the man who's lived all his life under the curse of blindness? I said, not only can I hear you, but now I can see you. And yes, I am the man. I wish you'd start talking to me. It's impossible, they said to one another. I thought it was impossible too. But I met that man called Jesus. He made some mud, put it on my eyes, sent me to Siloam. I washed and now I can see. Wow, news spread like wildfire, you can imagine. And of course, when the word gets out, well, then the Pharisees need to know about it. So the next day, they, they rushed me towards the, uh, the Pharisees. And, uh, and then I went, now, you guys, you, you don't have Pharisees here in your church, do you? you know, I know your ministers, they're pretty like in touch, could have cool guys, you know, help you connect with God. But uh, the Pharisees, when you think about a Pharisee, like think about sort of these ultra upright, uptight, mega religious kind of strict social, moral, spiritual police. Well, the Pharisees, you'd think that when a man came and appeared before them, this man who had been born blind, now had their sight, you'd think they'd be rejoicing. But when they found out who did it, that it was Jesus. Oh, they started prying me with questions. And, and when I told them that it happened on the Sabbath, oh, they almost fell off their chair. Making mud on the Sabbath, they said. Mud is a building material and building is strictly forbidden on the Sabbath, let alone this work of healing on the Sabbath. It's just so sad, the Pharisees, isn't it? You know, just, just beware the spirit of the Pharisees. You know, these, these guys, they... They, they gave so much to God. They, 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 they were there at the synagogue or the temple, always leading worship services, praying, fasting, uh, leading people, memorising scripture, quoting it back to you to prove to you why you were wrong. These were, these were the guys who gave everything, gave their money, gave it, gave it, gave it. But the one thing they'd never give to God was their heart. Now, I know that you don't have Pharisees here, but... Uh, but you need to beware of the spirit of the Pharisee because I know that it lives on and lives amongst you. You know the kind of people, the sort of the denominationalist, the people who can't recognise a work of God because it might have been done by someone outside your tribe. 
And so a miracle or something great happens in another church. Couldn't be God, they weren't Anglican. Or, or you know, the, the theologians, the sharp-thinking theologians who have the infinite God of heaven pegged in this tight theological box. And God can't do anything, say anything, or be anything that doesn't already exist in their systematic theology. Or, or, you know, the rigid culturalist, the person who keeps harking back, this is what we used to be like. Remember what we were like? We can't change. The church is meant to be the most contemporary organisation in the earth. You guys are meant to be all things to all people, flexing, bending, turning in every different which way except for compromising on the gospel of Jesus. Well, friends, beware of the spirit of the Pharisee. Not the Pharisees who are out there, but the Pharisee who can live in here because it can come very quickly in your hearts. Well, the problem with the Pharisees is this: they were blind as blind could be. Here I was, this, this picture of everything that the Sabbath pointed towards, renewal, restoration, restored relationship with God, rest, help, hope. Here I am. What do they say? Verse 16. This man is not from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. Oh, so sad. There were some people there who were trying to speak some sense into them that day. There was uh, Joseph of Arimathea and uh, Nicodemus. You met him already. Uh, they were there. They, they were saying, you know, well, how can a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided and they were going back and forth, back and forth. They turned to me. They said, what about you? Who do you say he is? Well, I just said the first thing that came to my mind. He's got to at least be a prophet. Well, then they didn't believe me, so they sent for my parents. They thought maybe I wasn't born blind. And, and I do love mum and dad. <laughs> Wonderful people, God-fearing people. But this time, I think mum and dad really chickened out. You know, the night before when all this happened, we were dancing around the living room, praising the God of heaven as, as we had the meal together. My father, he, he thanked God of heaven for sending Jesus to give me back my sight. But then under the pressure of the Pharisees, under the threat of excommunication, being cut off, socially ostracised, distanced, they caved in, they wouldn't give an answer. But you know what? I've been cut off all of my life. I've been ostracised ever since I was born. So I just thought, what the heck? I'll just put steel in my spine. I'm going to tell these guys who I think Jesus really is. And so they turned to me and they said, we know this man is a sinner. They put me under oath, give glory to God. And I said, look, whether he's a sinner or not, this, this is what I know. One thing I know, I said, I was blind, but now I see. And it was Jesus who made me see. Well, how did he do it? They asked, I've already told you. Do you want to become his disciples as well? And whoo, they just lost it. We are disciples of Moses, they said. As for this man, we don't even know where he comes from, this Jesus. That's rich, I said. That's rich. You don't know where it comes from. I've heard what he said to you at the Feast of Tabernacles. He told you that he's come from heaven. And if he hadn't come from heaven, there is no way that I, a man born blind, would be standing in your presence with seeing eyes. And you know what? That's what I've been doing since the day this miracle happened. Just telling people my story. Just telling them this one thing. I was blind, but I met Jesus, and now I see. And you know what? You can do the same thing. You can tell people your story. It's called your testimony. You just got to tell them that, that once you were blind, 
blind to God, blind to, to the Bible, thinking that the Bible was, uh, was irrelevant or outdated, blind to the people of God, thinking that they were boring or dull, blind to, to, to sin, thinking that sin was all the fun stuff, holiness was restrictive, that Jesus was irrelevant and that heaven was imaginary. But then you, like me, we met Jesus. I met Jesus and now I can see, I can see God. I can see him. I can see him in my life. I can see him in other people's lives. And the Bible, this is the bread of life. It feeds my hungry soul. And the things I used to love, I now detest. And holiness, well, it is the most satisfying, joy-filled way that I could ever, ever live. And you know what? The people of God, they are the most precious people to me in all of the earth. They are my family and I love them. And you know what? I am living on a life that's been destined for heaven. And it is the best life I can live and it all happened because I met Jesus. You can do that. You can tell people your story. And you know what? They can dismiss you. They can despise you for it. But they can't deny you because the evidence is right there before their eyes. You were blind, but now you can see. And you can see because you met Jesus. But Jesus, he gave me a warning that day that I need to tell you. And that is that as you hold out Jesus, the light of life to other people, well, it causes a crisis of faith. People are forced to make a decision. As I've held out Jesus, the light of life to other people, people have either become a moth or a cockroach. Let me explain what I mean by that. So what happens when you turn a light on? What does a moth do? A moth flies towards the light. What happens when you turn a light on? What does a cockroach do? cockroach scurries off into the darkness. And so as you tell people about Jesus, the light of the world, they have to make a choice. Are they going to humble themselves and go towards him or stay proud and run into the darkness? It's one of the most important things Jesus said to me that day. It's in verse 39. I'd love you to read it with me. He said this. He said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. We know that Jesus came to save the world, don't we? But as that saving message is proclaimed, some people are going to see it. They're going to humble themselves and come towards him. But others are going to harden their hearts and run back into the darkness. And, you know, I, I don't blame them for it. I don't blame them because the only difference between them and me is that Jesus opened my eyes. And, you know, you know anything could happen. I never write anyone off. You know, it was there that day uh, with all that crowd who was having a go at me. was uh, that man Saul of Tarsus. Oh, when I saw him that day, he had black in his eyes and a sort of burning fire in his heart. But, but you know him, don't you? He's your beloved Paul the Apostle. He was blind, but he met the light of the world. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he was blinded in his eyes, but his heart became open. Three days later, he got his sight back, one of the clearest seeing men who's ever lived. You know, no one is past it with God. And it's not yours to judge. It's just yours to speak about Jesus, the light of the world, and then let the light do the work. Because either people will come towards him or they'll run back into darkness. And the sad, sad thing about the darkness is that it completely blinds you to what's right in front of you. You know, when you're in a dark room, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. Well, 
Here I was, this picture of everything that, that God and the, the, and the Word of God points towards, healed, restored, renewed, hope, forgiveness, freedom. What did they say to me? Verse 34. You were steeped in sin at birth. Didn't seem to stick to me quite like it used to. How dare you lecture us? And they kicked me out. Out of the synagogue. Cut me off from the word of God. Shut me out from the people of God. Locked me out from the presence of God. But you know what that day? That day, God himself came and found me. Jesus came and he'd heard that I'd been kicked out and he came and he found me and he asked me this most important question. It's a question I've got to ask you here tonight as well. He said this in verse 35. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of Man? You mean the Messiah? You mean the promised one? The long-awaited King? You mean Emmanuel, God with us? Oh, Oh, I'd I'd love to. Who is he? Tell me so I can believe. And then Jesus said, you are looking at him. I am the light of the world. I am the Messiah. And I said, Lord, Lord, I believe and I worshipped him. What about you? As I've held out Jesus, the light of the world to you today, do you believe in the Son of Man? Are you going to, Come towards him. Come into the light. Humble yourself and and take hold of the light of life and live in that beautiful freedom and hope that I found in Jesus. Or will you harden your heart? Scurry back into the darkness. Jesus warned of the danger of going back into the darkness, that your, your heart gets hard, you become totally blind to what's right in front of you. Oh, friends, I do hope that you will come to the light of Jesus to let his light shine on you and then let his light shine through you. I'm just here tonight to to tell you how Jesus, the light of the world, opened my blind eyes, how he came to give sight to those who are humble and want to see and how he will humble and blind those who think they can see. Friends, let Jesus' light shine into your hearts. Thanks for listening. Let me, let me finish up in a word of prayer for you. Let me, let me close in prayer. Jesus, light of the world, thank you that you came to open the eyes of those who know they are blind and to blind the eyes of, of those who think they can see. Please, Jesus, light of the world, let your light shine on me. Help me to be humble, to come near to you rather than to run back into the darkness. Jesus, light of the world, I ask you not only to shine on me, but also to shine through me as I grow in my courage to share how I too was once blind, but now I see. Jesus, light of the world, shine in our dark world. Bring light to blind eyes. Heal those who are hurting. Humble those who are proud. Bring more and more people to walk in the light of life. In your powerful name, we pray these things. Amen.